Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Wheeler, Cycle, Line A, scores! I don't believe my eyes. Wheeler gets a hat trick. Oh my goodness. It's a number. Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Pleased to welcome the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, Paul Maurice, to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. First thing off-season, Paul, just what you've been up to. Yeah. Um, fishing, just how have you relaxed so far in this off-season? It's all about family this year. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, 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 I, think, I think other than a week... Last year, when I dropped my youngest off for school and two days for Mother's Day, I think the stat is, uh, so that's nine or ten days. Those are the only days non-work related that I've been outside of Winnipeg since 2015, the summer of 2015. So this is home for us. I got three kids. I got a nephew that lives at my house. They all got summer jobs. And um, so we're not leaving them at home alone too often. Because they're all around twenty, you got to keep mm-hmm. your eye on those kind. Um, and then we've got a. Last year we found a place on uh, Lake of the Woods, and that is about as beautiful a place as there is on the face of the earth. So we spent some time out there, but all the family that we've got on both sides uh, came up this summer, so it was wonderful. Correct me if I'm wrong. Your youngest is going off to school this year, right? Uh, so he's going returning second year. It'll be second year okay. away from home. Yeah. So empty nest syndrome not at all because you have a nephew in the house, right? So you don't. Yeah, we him. still got three. <laughs> the door's open for them to leave. Right. Uh, no, you know what? What's everybody's life is different. We've moved so very much um, that we were we're fine with our kids sticking around as long as they can. Uh, but my youngest went away to school last year, and he'll return again this year. Uh, at the draft, you got your five-year pin. Yeah, you're yeah. the second longest tenured coach in the National Hockey League. What does wow. what does that mean now? Like five years is a long time for the survival of a National Hockey League coach. Right. So it's a statement of the function of the job that we're all very aware of. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's such a high pace, high intensity job, and you are leaning on people and and squeezing and trying to get the most out of them. You're aware of of the fact. Well, I've moved nine times, so there you go. There's mm-hmm. the answer to that question. The difference. Uh, for us here is you, you feel like you've grown with this team. When we came in, we were kind of, after the first or second year, ripped it right down to youth and then started to build. So you kind of feel like you're in at the starting point, even though the team had been here for six or seven years. Um, and it's an honor. Like if you can, but very fortunate uh, to work for very bright, uh, very good men. And they give you the opportunity to work and, and, um, and enjoy your life at the same time. Winnipeg has been a, very special place for my family and I. Uh, I talked about my kids. Uh, the clarity when you move them around as much as we have, you're always looking for that place that you could call home because you haven't necessarily given your children that opportunity to have that kind of place uh, to be here five years and hopefully a lot more to come. It's been just uh, a gift for our family. Does everyone from your wife to your kids become more resilient with each move? And I realize the kids are much older yeah. now, but does everybody become more resilient and realize this is part of life? I think you realize that, that this is part of life for a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? I, I didn't grow up like my mom and dad are in the home that uh, right now that I was born in and raised in. And that's true of Mitch's mother, her, uh, my wife's uh, mother, her, her father's past. Uh, so we had a certain way of living. We lived, my parents were at home every night. Uh, we never moved once and ours is completely different life. So that's the life my kids know. 
and travel and going into new schools. I do think that there is a benefit to that as you get older. It's not easy. My, my daughter went to three different high schools. Very fortunate. We found St. Mary's here when we came, and it was an all-girls school, and it was just a great experience for Sid. Um, so maybe, maybe I, well, there's no doubt about it. That's part of the attraction uh, and the enjoyment for our family here in Winnipeg is how easily our kids slid into the schools, made friends, you know, the kind of friends that you're, you want for your kids. So my, my kids had a great experience here in Winnipeg, and as we know that parents usually enjoy the town or not based on how, how their kids flourish, and it's been great for mine. You mentioned the Sioux, that's the Sioux, your home. Yep. Sioux St. Marie, very similar to Winnipeg. Is that why you find it so easy to, to adjust to, to, to Winnipeg? I, I and be, guess. And find it like home, I guess, in some right, ways? Right, I guess. Uh, my wife's from just outside of Windsor, Ontario, so very, very similar. We're, we're driving um, back to her home after one of my tours of duty somewhere had come to an end. Yeah. And uh, and talked about a regret that we would have that our kids, you know, at that time wouldn't have had the opportunity to grow up like we did. Kind of small town Canada. Then it was too bad. It, it, we were driving in, in around Christmas time and uh, it was snowing out. And uh, we were talking about my kids never learning how to drive in the snow being a skill that you need to have, or at least we valued greatly. It turns out they've had that opportunity now. Um, so yes is the answer. You, you Maybe there's a little nostalgia in that too. You, you're around your 50s and you start kind of thinking about how you grew up. Uh, the Sioux is a wonderful place to raise a family, as was Windsor, Ontario. And, and Winnipeg is just a version of that for us. So there was that kind of... We, we are in some ways going to get an opportunity to raise our kids in Canada, raise our kids the way we were brought up. Uh, I, would, I would think that that is a big part of the, our, our affinity for this place. Earlier you mentioned how things were torn down, and it's a younger team. In that essence, when players get older, sometimes people move along, and this has been a big season of yeah. off-season of change for players like Ben Sherratt, um, Jacob Truba, who were drafted by this organization and now have moved on. Uh, Tyler Myers was not drafted by this organization, but was brought in right. earlier, has been around for a very long time. What's that like losing or seeing guys like that leave the team? There's every year, every right. single year on every team, there are going to be players that leave that are important or, or good men um, that, are, that are part of that team fabric. So it's painful to, to see them go. But you know, we would have lost five men the year prior that were 30 years old plus, and Paul Stastny and Toby Enstrom and... Mason and uh, and Matthias. So we, we lost uh, some people then, and and your team does change. It's going to happen again. Obviously, we lost some some people maybe that were part of that kind of rebuild that happened three or four years ago. So everybody goes through a version of this. I I it wasn't unexpected at all when you when we went through that stretch where we drafted fairly high. You're going to bring in some skill, and after they come out of their entry level contract, you're going to end up paying them. And, and that's inevitable. So when that time comes, you can look at it as a negative or or really what you should do is say, hey, we've got players that we have to pay a lot of money to because they're, they're pretty good, which means some guys are going to have to go. And that's not uh, that's not something that the Winnipeg Jets are dealing with. It's the entire National Hockey League. And, and there are some changes. We're starting to see it around. Right? Some of these yes. young players are getting big dollars where that wasn't happening before, and that's going to really change. And we saw it in Edmonton a few years ago. Now we're all going to go through that. It's happening in Toronto. It's happening in a bunch of places. So we're all going to go through that. And, and our job then is, is who handles that transition best. You 
talked about they're talking about restricted free agents that are yeah. this, this is the new nhl and lots of teams like toronto have one it's mitch marner miko rantanen in colorado this is a very unique situation in winnipeg where there's two right patrick line and, and kyle connor how it's august how concerned are you that camp may or may not start or may start without one or both of those players and i don't know that i can that you allow yourself to get concerned over these things you want everybody back, but you know it's not always going to happen in a perfect world. Both sides want the deals to happen, right? We all want players, and all these players that you just mentioned, we all want them in for camp. Yeah. Because there have been players that have missed camp that have struggled, but then again, there's players that did miss that missed camp that just blew the doors off it. So it, um, you want them in camp, and you want them part of it. Uh, so here's the standard cliche. And it's, hey, this is a business and these things happen, right? You, you hear it and you go, come on, I, I really don't want to hear that. But there's a truth to it. Mm-hmm. All of these are not signed for a reason. There's a certain pressure point that has to be reached on both sides before they can get to it. Everybody's looking kind of for a marker. Um, maybe the AHO offer sheet gave them a little bit of clarity of what the number's going to be in. But this is, again, this is kind of a new NHL coming in with the kind of money that these young players are asking for. This is new. So... I'm not concerned by it. Um, we want our team in place in camp, but there really isn't a whole lot for the rest of us to do about it except get ready and get going. Mm-hmm. With the younger players, so Kyle Connor and, and Patrick Line are going to come in with different numbers in terms of contracts. With this younger player making more money, does that change the dynamic in the dressing room at all? I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know is the answer because we haven't had a lot of young guys come in and get the money that these young guys are going to get. Now, yeah. it's been edging toward that, right? So you've got Mark and you've got Nick Ehlers kind of edging toward that number, and then the landscape changes two years later, so now it's a bigger number. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about guys that are going into their f- kind of third and fourth year pro. Patrick starts a year younger, but K- uh, Kyle spent a year in the minors. So I guess what I'm looking forward to is – um, we've been young, right? And mm-hmm. now you can, I don't know if this, you can squeeze people who understand differently, right? You can demand and ask more for a guy from a guy who's been in the league two or three years. And he's also not concerned necessarily about his contract. We had like a big number of guys that were up for contracts at the end of the year. Uh, we're going to have an awful lot of guys, I think, done by the end of, let's say, September where they know they're Winnipeg Jets for a very, very long time, and they're not 18 anymore, and they're not 19. And there's, you've got, you got Nick Ehlers in that mix. You've got three of kind of your top six offensive guys are still very, very young. They're not, they're not ready to drive physically and mentally. They're just not, they're just not the same as a 25, 26-year-old, and we're, we're edging toward that. There's a big age gap, it seems, because of the salary cap between your, you know, your top players – and there's kind of that gap between, you know, Patrick Laine and Blake Wheeler, right. Dustin Bufflin. How do you bridge that gap? And I'm not talking about age, but maybe maturity in some ways. And I'm not saying Patrick Laine is... No, we just, do we just wait every day those guys get older, right? <laughs> right. Oh, that's, that's Is there just, coaching in that, though? Is uh, there, does... I think almost more for the older guy. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, we got a young team. So Patrick's right there, and, and the youngest guy, about the same age as half our team, three-quarters of our team. And then you got some older guys, the 30-plus. Boy, what happens uh, to a young man, and we've all been through it, between the ages of 25 and 35, you know, you're talking about kids, you're talking about a family, uh, you're talking about learning how to become a pro. 
when you didn't get any sleep the night before because two of your kids are sick, like the real life stuff and trying to be an elite professional athlete, you know, they get to that 33, 35, it's almost they have less in common. It's not so much the kids. The kids in our group got lots of guys. They can talk Fortnite all night long, right? There's lots of people that know the new technology. It's the 35-year-old guys. You got to, hey, how you doing, dad? You know, there's a little gray in your beard now. Right. Life's different, right? Yeah. So uh, the kids, and, and especially on a young team like we've had, they've always had lots of friends and lots of, uh, lots of things in common. Uh, I think, you know what? You just hope they enjoy it. So I had Ron Francis that was kind of in that boat as one of Stanley Cups at the time, and he's in his mid to late 30s, and he's going to the Hall of Fame. You get an 18-year-old kid in there, and he, you know, he's starting to realize that his own kids might be older than some of the kids on his team. Uh, those guys, I do think they kind of get to enjoy it. They do kind of get invigorated, and they certainly they have an awful lot to share, right? They have so many experiences that these young guys are... When the young player goes through it, they think it's only happening to them, and it's the first time it's ever happened in the history of the National Hockey League, and a veteran can, can put an arm around a guy and say, kid, I made the same mistake, and I've seen it a thousand times. Who from the younger group of players on your club are you looking to see take a leadership, a bigger leadership role? I want to tell you all of them, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to be real careful about it because I don't have the lineup in front of me. And, and when I leave the podcast, I'm like, oh, they should have mentioned that guy's name because now he's going to think. Let's I, not mention So it. that's the fear, right? <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that somebody's listening and one of the players is going, how come, how come he didn't mention my name? Right. Um, but when the guys that are in that 23 to 25 age, so I'm, we are expecting everybody who comes out of their entry-level contract, we're expecting more from, right? This is... It's no longer for these guys, am I an NHL player? It's, it's how good am I going to be? How good can I make the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, but then you go, let, let's go to the 25-year-old kind of guys. So we're in the Morrissey, Lowry, Shifley. And, and Mark's looked as, as a leader now. He has, he has a letter on his sweater, but he's still the same age as those guys. That's, that's the big push, right? Blake, the guys that are over 30, are who they are right they're they're not only i mean they're always trying to get better but at some point they're also just trying to maintain mm -hmm. and then your your mid-20 guys are just coming into their prime and now they have to drive right they're trying to do they're, they're trying to expand their individual capacity to work to compete nightly their consistency to improve and then take hold of the Winnipeg Jets as their team, right? They've passed through that gate of, hey, am I good enough to play in the NHL? And hey, my individual stats now say I'm good enough to play in the NHL, and then they need to pass into a Winnipeg Jet, and we're here to win. Brandon Tanev also departed this offseason yeah. to Pittsburgh, a unique player, and you've right. talked about you always came back to the bench, looked like he had blood in him some yeah, way, yeah, always hurt, you know, yeah. bounced off. How do you replace someone like him, or who's – do you automatically think you're at okay? This guy, this is my guy. This is my Brandon Tanev replacement, or is it just it's going to have to be multiple players that kind of fill that right. role? So you, you you recognize that the players move on, but they leave something too. Mm -hmm. And Brandon was a you know benefited greatly by coming to our team and watching the you know the kind of wheelers of the world. Some of these guys, Brian Little who just go as hard as they can every night. So that's the, those are the players he looks at. Different style of player, I get that. One's more of a penalty killer. The other two guys are kind of offensive guys. But he gets that benefit, and then he makes our team better by becoming that player. So now the Mason Appletons of the world who've watched Brandon Tanev and, and you know, Cop and Lowry and those guys that are kind of the 
not necessarily offensive rolled drivers on our team. So Brandon will have, you know, he benefited by being here. He's made us better than that benefit then is passed on to, to some of these other players coming in. Let's go to your blue line for a moment. And you said back in the draft, you were very excited about this upcoming season. Is it because, and this is, this is when Jacob Truba had departed. Is part of that because you get to see newer faces and you get to move pieces around and see how you can win differently or how players have developed through the system from the Manitoba moves from being drafted and how they fit in? Is that why part of the reason why you're excited about this upcoming season? I would say part. I mean, in general, I'm usually really excited about every season, right? Mm -hmm. So you're getting fired up. You get new faces. We're going to look different. Um, And our style will be slightly different of game because we'll, we'll be good at at some areas and we want to continue to improve there. And then, you know, you got a, a younger back end coming in now. So that's going to change the way you look in your own end at times. I'm not hundred percent sure that's, that's for the worse. So right. I, I've got some faith that we can be a better group of five. We'll, we'll miss every single one of these guys as individuals, but as a group, all three of those guys uh, left in some ways as refer as, as free agents, Jake, Truba might as well have been. He's going into his last year and he's walking. So he's a free agent in my mind at that point. So all three of them go. And and there's pressure on these guys to play a certain way in that contract year, right? So now we're going to get a bunch of guys in here who've got their deals. They're going to grind a little bit. We score enough in my mind uh, to be a good, considered a good offensive team. You can't win on that. You can't. That can't be the only thing you throw on the table. There's, and there's, there's lots of examples of that. But the group of five that we go out and – you know, I get asked a question an awful lot over the last three years, uh, four years, I guess, because we've been devastated at times on our blue line and we kept winning. So there's a piece to it too. So it's more than just depth, yeah. right? There's there's more to this, the focus. If System. you can take it, all of it, the buy-in. When you have a team that's got some skill, and we do, uh, and you can get them to grind a little defensively, appreciate that, um, then you can become a really, really good team. And, and that's where I believe we're going. I, I, I like this team. There's some unknowns for sure. Part of it is whether the two young forwards up front are back at the start and we've got some young guys coming in on the blue line. But I guess, I guess Jamie, the, the other thing would be, you know, I've had conversations now with players and, and yeah, the, the start of it is, hey, Jesus, tough losing those guys. Some of them are friends. But the other part of it is, hey, I'm excited about this. As, mm-hmm. as one of them said, there's only so many seats at the table. Looks like there might be one more seat there for me, and I'm excited about it. That changes when a younger player sees opportunities. Sure. That the mindset changes, correct? Oh, especially, you know, when you're into the dog days of training in the summer and you think you have no hope. That's true of human nature in any any aspect of life. If you've got no hope, it's very, very difficult to push yourself. But if you've got hope that you've got a belief that, you know, hey, there's a new spot on the blue line, there's another spot up front. I can take that job. You train better, you train harder, and mm-hmm. your sense of focus and purpose is very strong. More space than in years past in this organization. That's a testament to everything that's been going on. Right. Like the, you, you didn't want to be a right-handed defenseman in the Winnipeg Jet organization <laughs> for the last three years. You had no chance. Right. I mean, unless somebody went down heavy. Um, so there's room here now. The new defenseman that you acquired in the draft first round is a left-handed shot. And yeah. I know you got a short look at him. Yeah. What did you think? A really smart guy. Like... You, little simple things defensemen have to be able to do to play in the NHL, and it has nothing to do with size or strength. They've got to be able to move the puck a bit. Mm-hmm. Go back, get it, move it. And and uh, some guys can do the whole operation with their head up, and some guys can't. And he can just grab that puck from 
regardless of where his body is in relation to the puck, he does all of it with his head up, which means more composure. He can move the puck at any single time. And as, as we went going just through development camp, kept getting stronger, kept getting a little faster. Uh, I, I, no interest in pushing him beyond his limits. He's, he's a specific kind of guy, and I think he's going to move the puck for the Winnipeg Jets really, really well for an awfully long time. So when he gets here, I'm not sure. Uh, and when he arrives to be a full-time Winnipeg Jet. But as with all of the players that we've drafted, you know, since I've got here, that's been the thing that maybe has amazed me the most. I can step out in the ice and know exactly why we drafted them, what they saw. And whether they make it to the NHL or when that day happens, uh, that's a tougher call. But this this kid's a good puck mover. Dylan Sandberg looks bigger <laughs> than ever. Yeah. And, and he seemed to be quite comfortable at development camp and I know right. it's the same as last year but it seems like he's taking right. kind of I mean, another he's step. just get bigger stronger older we would have loved for him to come out we think we think he was ready to do that mm-hmm. uh but these guys have the right and they've earned the right to chart their own career path and their own life path and he wanted to go back and play another uh, year in college but another very very strong defenseman and I uh, and I feel the same way about Logan Stanley. Completely right. different styles of defensemen, right? They're not comparable in what they do. Um, but we've got some nice guys on the left side in our back end, so maybe in a couple of years you don't want to be a left-handed defenseman. <laughs> right. Because you can't get in there either. <laughs> yeah, lots of conversation with Pascal right. Vincent then. I mean, more than years past, or do the conversations still remain the same? And I'm just referring yeah. to the fact that there's more openings than there have been in years past. Right. Yeah. So we play that game. What if? Hey, mm-hmm. maybe this guy could play. Maybe that guy could play. And then we fatigue ourselves with the different permutations of what our teams will look like. And then we say, see you at training camp. So <laughs> he uh, he's going to have some good young players to work with. He did a marvelous job with that team. They were kind of understaffed at the start. We stole all his players yeah. uh, over the last few years. And then what he did was he built a team that competed and, and fought their way back into playoff contention. Uh being you know quite undermanned at times some of the players that we had up here and kept up here all year um so th- those kids are in great hands great staff save the best or toughest question for last clearly when people look around the central division which you could argue is the best in the national hockey league and i'm sure you would know that better than anybody going up against these teams night after night you know people see other teams in the division improving adding right winnipeg jets have lost a lot of big name players right What's the course of this hockey club, if you could tell Jets fans right now as, as we approach training camp? Boy, there's a long list this time of year of the, uh, the Stanley Cup favorites that added five guys and they were going to be the greatest. And a big chunk of them don't make the playoffs. And that, listen, I think Dallas marvelous, right? They added a number of very, very strong players. And like anything else, take a look at the list of teams that have made the playoffs in consecutive years. That is a really, really short list. And every year we, we talk about the additions of teams and the guaranteed dynasty run that's that's for everybody. It doesn't work like that. Sure doesn't work like that in the Central. So you got to be a good defensive team. you got to stay healthy. Hope your schedule's reasonable. And uh, and then more importantly than the players that you add, far more important is is the improvement of the players that you have, right? The cohesiveness of that group, their, their ability to get better. So those young players have to have room to grow and, and room to get better. We think we got lots of room with all these young guys. So our team doesn't necessarily uh, hit the headlines this year, which would be true of, you know, in, in a lot of very, very good teams in the past. Washington Capitals two years ago. 
a number of teams that didn't do a whole lot in the summer, and lo and behold, they were a much better team than people thought they'd be. Appreciate the time, as always. It's been a long time since we chatted, yeah. so thank you for stopping by. Yeah, my pleasure. And one final piece of business before we depart on Jets uh, for JetsRewards.ca. Head there right now and type in the word alumni. That is your code word for 50 Jets reward points. Thanks so much for listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Once again, the code word is alumni. JetsRewards.ca. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to WinnipegJets.com. 